So we have a ton of people out for vacations today and camping trips and uh, other random occurrences of this nature. And so we're obviously a little bit smaller than usual, right? So today, I apologize for me having a mic on because it feels awkward for me to be sitting in a group of people and having a mic on, but some of the people over there want to be able to hear too, okay? But what I'd like to talk about today is prayer. We're going to continue on in our prayer section, all right? And so we'll probably just shift this out and do a little bit more discussion-based than we usually do on our Sunday mornings. But all right, as we've been learning throughout the past couple weeks, is there anything that you guys have been picking up on or anything that struck you as we were learning together? Anything that you can remember from the past couple weeks that actually is like, yeah, I should probably consider that more. Am I that bad, guys? I'm sorry. Nothing? Nothing worthwhile at all? (laughs) So tell me some of your thoughts on prayer. How do you guys do praying? Do you pray often? Yeah? What's it like when you pray? Just the praying together as husband and wife, that kind? Yeah. And do you pray for each other or for work situations or for other things that are happening? Or... Good. Please feel free to join the circle. Hi. We've decided to be slightly more awkward than usual today. Slightly. All right. So that's awesome. And I've, I've been hearing Blade talk about how much he enjoys that too, and it's wonderful. I appreciate hearing him talk about it too. Uh, how do you guys practice prayer in your daily lives? Micah, how do you practice prayer in your daily life? Uh, sometimes carving out time. spend more time talking than you spend listening right now, so that's the part you want to improve on. Yeah. Uh, so what else? So whenever you guys pray, when you pray, is there anything that you tend to focus on more than others? Like I know some people, whenever they pray, they'll pray for specific needs over and over again, or they'll pray for, um, for God's will to be done over and over again, or they'll pray for, um, goodness, uh, one that's big that we're going to be talking about a little bit more today is actually the concept of uh, asking for forgiveness and praying simply for forgiveness over and over again. As you pray, is there anything that you tend to emphasize while you pray that you can think of? One of my biggest prayers is, Lord, break me down. It's the one that I tend to pray the most, I've noticed. Make me less, make you more. Um... Because one of the ways that I think I uh, kind of suck as a person, <laughs> I don't, I don't always let him reign in my life, right? And I won't let him reign more and more. Right, here's what we're talking about today, guys. What is this? This isn't. Oh, that's why I pressed the wrong button. That'll do it. I'm like, that's not my Bible. That's my Bible. We're going to continue today in our pattern of working through the Lord's Prayer. Uh, so we know that it starts with our Father uh, in heaven. Uh, may you make your name great, right? 
may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the first three requests through that are all about God. May you make yourself great. May you proclaim yourself to the world. May your kingdom arrive in this world. And may what you're doing be what's done in this world, right? And then we have the parts that are about us, right? So Lord, give us what we need to survive daily. Give us what we need to not be anxious about the future. And Lord, don't give us too much that would keep us from relying on you, right? And the next part is, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So forgive us our debts as we forget of our debtors. Can you guys imagine this? I want to throw one thing out to you. Whenever I was first uh, stepping into church leadership, I would talk to a bunch of people, and one of the things that I was taught originally was that it's weird for Christians to ask for forgiveness over and over again because it shows a lack of faith in what Jesus has done. I've heard that taught before. And in some areas of Christianity, we kind of tend to hold to it, right? Like, it's this concept that if we are consistently thinking about our own sin, that just means we're not faithful enough. We don't believe that Jesus did what he said he would do. But I kind of reject that pretty heavily. If Jesus gave us this model for how we're supposed to pray, and I believe this model was told by Jesus to his disciples and then written down for our behalf that we would actually be able to know how Christ has called for us to pray. It seems kind of important that of the three things he said for us to pray for about ourselves, one of them is, Lord, forgive me. Use that as your model. Forgive me my debts. So I do not think it's wrong whatsoever for Christians to be regularly praying for forgiveness. And in fact, in different portions of scripture, it actually says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us actually says that we're called to confess our sins to him over and over again. Whenever you pray, how often do you confess what's going on in your life? Is it regular? Is it normal? Is it ongoing? Oh, mine is. <laughs> mine is. If I am actually praying, at some point I hit the Jesus, please forgive me portion of that prayer. Because if I'm praying for him to break me down, it starts to lead me up to, oh my goodness, these are obvious ways I am not being like you throughout the week. I need to change. How well are you guys doing praying for forgiveness? If you look over the past week, how many people here have at some point said, Jesus, forgive me? Right? Pretty much all of us, right? Good, sweet. If we're not praying that, there's probably an issue. Uh, whenever Jesus is discussing uh, what people are like in the kingdom of God at one point, he talks about two different people who are praying. And one of the people say, Jesus, thank you uh, for the fact that I'm not like this sinful person here, that I don't do this thing, that I don't do that thing, that I, I'm good enough, that I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, that people like me. Uh, I may be mixing up Stuart Smalley and Jesus a little bit. No? I'm sorry, my old Saturday Night Live references just don't land sometimes. Okay. Thank you that I am awesome is how this one person prays. Then the other person is on their knees begging, Father, forgive me. Have mercy on me. I am a sinner. And Jesus says, which one do you think understands the nature of God a little better? That's the second one. The one that says, Father, forgive me. We are called to recognize our own sinfulness and to recognize our need for a Savior. 
And if we humbly recognize our own need for a savior, we're much more likely to be graceful and gracious to those around us in the world, right? It's much harder for me to look at someone else and say, look at that sinner. Look at you, sinful person. How could God ever forgive you for that thing? If I am regularly looking at myself and saying, Lord, have mercy on me. I need it. Praying for his mercy is one of the things that we are called to do as his followers. Asking for it as we learn more and more about ourselves. And you may be thinking, but that doesn't make too much sense. Because as followers of Christ, we're supposed to be becoming more and more godly as we go throughout our day, right? We do, oh, he's so cute. I'm sorry. I'm easily distracted by cute babies. All right. There's just two of them. All right. As we go throughout our days, as we become followers of Christ, we may think, oh, I'm supposed to be growing more and more in godliness. I shouldn't be sinning as much. I shouldn't have to pray for forgiveness as much, right? We think things like this sometimes. And I will say one thing. There's a difference between praying regularly for our current sinfulness versus begging God for years for forgiveness for one thing that happened in our past, right? That is not necessary. If you failed in the past and you have asked God earnestly for forgiveness and have earnestly made steps to repent of who you were and what you've done, you're forgiven. You don't need to beg for that thing over and over again, right? However, as we become followers of Christ, as we learn more and more about who he is and what he's doing in our lives, as we grow in him, as we become more and more faithful to him, a couple of things become apparent to us. One is we gain more and more knowledge just how good God is, just how great and awesome and perfect and wonderful he is, and even just how high his standards are. Because if I think about God and what I know of him and what his standard of perfection is now versus what I thought it was whenever, like, the first day I became a Christian, oh, my goodness, he is far greater than I could ever have even imagined back then, right? And I'm assuming in 20 years he'll be even greater than I could imagine now. Not because he's changed, but because I've gained more knowledge and understanding of who he is and what he's done, right? And simultaneously, as we gain closer understanding of God and his goodness and what he's doing, simultaneously, we'll be gaining more and more insight into our own nature, our own personality, and we'll be comparing ourselves more and more to who he is, right? And if he is getting more and more awesome and good and holy, and we're constantly comparing ourselves to him, we're going to recognize more and more about the ways that we are at fault, right? That we fall short of his glory, that we fail to meet his standards that we sin. We become more aware of the depths of our own depravity. So there will never be a time when you're a follower of Christ until he returns and perfects us that there will not be something that we can be asking, Lord, forgive me. Because if we ever stop, that means we actually have got either too small of an opinion of God or too big of an opinion of ourselves. Does that make sense? Have you guys noticed that in your lives? There's this, this kind of chasm that happens. People become followers of Christ, and they feel awesome, and they feel connected to him and wonderful, and they feel like they can do no wrong, and everything is good, right? And then as time goes on, we see how holy God is, and we see how unholy we are. And we actually, over time, as followers of Christ, can feel more distance between him and ourselves, even though, theoretically, we're actually growing closer to him. Have you guys ever experienced that? Like, oh, I just don't feel as close to him or as good as I'm supposed to be. 
I definitely feel different from whenever I first became a follower of Christ. You guys ever felt that? Hi. He's like, I got you. Yes. Have you guys experienced this in your lives? Uh, In what ways have you experienced it? Anyone willing to share a little bit? Kick out. You can push it out. I know what's happening here. <laughs> so can you say that again? Sure. Uh, tell me how you're feeling about how... Uh, no, no, I can't. Uh, I'm sorry. So here's the stuff that I'm not good at in small groups. I'm not good at making discussion questions. What questions should I be asking? Anyone? Yeah. That feels, you're saying something about when you feel distant. Yeah. Do you feel, do, so if you consider, say, the first year you became a Christian, and if you consider the past year now, assuming that those two things are not the same, okay, do you feel like you were closer to God in that first year, or do you feel like you're closer to God now? For some people who've been Christians since they were like three, it might be hard to answer that. I right? think it's just different. <laughs> yeah. Like you come to different levels of understanding. I, I think. I agree. thoughts, guys? Let's kick out the next part of this that it's worth diving into. (laughs) No, I am a wretch. (laughs) What a horrible man I am. But praise be to God for who he is. Now, here's a fun part, though, that's probably worth diving in here. Forgive us our debts or forgive us our sins. What's the next part? Forgive us our sins as we... Thank you. Forgive those who sin against us. Right? As we look through this entire prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, something interesting happens. And that's the fact there's only one clause in this entire thing that seems to be in some way, shape, or form dependent on something that we do. Forgive us, Lord, in the same way that we forgive those around us. Stop for just a second and consider that phrase and then consider what that means about us and how we're supposed to forgive. If we're asking God to forgive us in the same way that we forgive those around us, what does that probably mean about the way we're supposed to forgive those around us? This here is 
part of our sanctification steps in. Sanctification is the process by which we, as followers of Christ, become more and more Christ-like as we live, right? So we start out, I'm a follower of Jesus. And then he works in our heart through the Holy Spirit. He changes our behavior, our actions, our mindsets. He changes our will and shifts us more and more into alignment with his will as we become his followers. This is an, excuse me, an unending process. Such a cute little smile. He's like, yeah, I'm content. Sorry. He, uh, he shifts us more and more into Christ-likeness as we become his followers, right? And eventually he'll perfect us, though this process is a lifelong process that happens throughout our entire lives. We should be growing more and more like him, right? Whenever we say things like, forgive us our debts, or Lord Jesus, Father, forgive me, one of the things that needs to kick in is the fact that our forgiveness assumes that we are growing in holiness, being more and more sanctified in him, and repenting of our own sinfulness. That our behavior will change as well. That who we are will shift. We can't ignore that. I'm a guy, by the way, who comes from a theological background that believes that once you're a follower of Jesus, you're always in, right? I believe that. But man, I wrestle with passages like this for good reason, right? Because we're called to forgive as we are forgiving others, as we are being forgiven, right? To forgive in the same way. At this point, Jesus says it in a backwards way. Uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are around us, right? But in other places, he says, as you forgive, so will you, should, so will you be forgiven, right? What this basically means is that we as Christians are called very heavily to keep very small record books of wrongs against us. We should not be holding on to a deep-seated wrong that we felt and saying, I will never forgive this person for what they've done. If we're proclaiming that someone has done something that we could never forgive, we're basically telling Jesus, I want you to forgive me in the same way. If we consider what God has forgiven us of, what can we hold against other people? Anything? I would say nothing. This is where the actual theology of prayer becomes practical. Because I'm going to be honest here, I think the reason that Jesus literally listed this in... Oh yeah, hey, sorry. People are supposed to be hearing me talk. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I'm back, everybody. All right. (laughs) As we step through the theology of prayer one of the things that we're stepping into is this fact that we should be asking God to forgive us whenever we recognize him within our own lives. But we are constantly reminded of the fact that we are also supposed to be forgiving those around us. And that part of our prayer, part of what we're called to even be praying for, is for the strength to do that. Are you holding anything against someone else? Are you refusing to forgive? There's multiple people walking by, right? Anyone that we know? Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm just like seeing light flicker across. All right. Uh, We're called to be forgiving those around us. But even the fact this is included in our prayer probably means that it's not a bad thing for us to be praying for the strength to do that. I don't think that you in your own personhood or goodness can forgive in the same way Jesus does. You're not strong enough to. But he can change you and he can sanctify you. And he can give you that strength to do so.
in a couple weeks, we're actually going to be hearing David Lambert preaching. And some of the stuff that he's had to forgive people of over the years, mind-boggling. And I can't wait to hear him tell his story again. And whenever we hear some of the things that people actually strive to forgive others of, some of the petty things that we hold on to probably fall away. Do you guys ever, uh, the gentleman, Dylan Roof, I think his name was, who in North Carolina, was it South Carolina? South Carolina, walked into a church building, an African-American church building, sat down in a prayer group with a group of people, prayed with them, and then pulled out a gun and shot nine members of the church because his hope was to incite a race war, actually, and uh, start up a bunch of people killing each other. And he prayed with them, and then he shot them, right? The family members of his victims, when speaking at his arraignment hearing, sat and asked for him to know that they forgive him. They were proclaiming the gospel to him with their lives while he was still awaiting trial for killing their family members. Now, worth noting, I'm sure they're still working through that process too. (laughs) I want to forgive you, so I forgive you while also noting that, no goodness, they're going to be angry for a little while, for very good reason, right? But that is the beauty of being a follower of Christ, to say, I forgive you. Is he trying to latch on you? Okay. All right. (laughs) Saying, I forgive you, regardless of what you've done to me. Don't need to talk about the circumstances here, but has anyone had trouble forgiving something that has been done to them or a family member in the past? I have. I have held on to grievances. I have given ish. I have, I have refused to grant forgiveness to things that I've seen people do, both against me and against others. And I've actually noticed that it's usually harder for me to forgive things that people have done against other people than it is for people, things that people have done directly to me, right? If you hurt me, I'm mad for a while. If you hurt my daughter, I'm going to be mad for a little bit longer, right? I may try to hold on to that one a little bit more. But I'm called to forgive even those sort of slights. Forgive as you have been forgiven. Guys, when we pray, we know that it's not just about us and what we can get, right? It's about him and his glory. It's about us being the people he has called us to be, recognizing that his kingdom reigns supreme, that he is sovereign, recognizing that his will is what matters and not our own, right? We pray recognizing that he is good and holy and great and that we are us, (laughs) which is generally not that, like not perfect. And so when you pray, Do not hesitate to say, Lord, forgive me for my failure. Forgive me for my weakness. Forgive me for not being what you have created us originally to be. And don't hesitate to pray that God would give you the strength to forgive those who are surrounding you and the ones who have harmed you or your family. And then make a genuine effort to forgive. Forgiveness is not the same thing as ignoring the fact that something ever happened in the past, just so you guys know, right? I can forgive a grievance against someone that they have done towards my daughter or towards me, but that doesn't mean I have to put myself fully into that person's trust or care again. 
right? So if someone unthinkingly smacks Anna in the face with a baseball bat, that's a really weird one. I'm sorry, I don't know why that one pulled out there, but whatever, right? If someone unthinkingly harms my daughter or even purposefully harms my daughter, I can forgive that person. That doesn't mean I have to say, I forgive you, here's my daughter again. It's cool if you do whatever again. It's fine. You can smack her again. I don't care. No. We can say, I forgive you, but still not allow that person to have the influence over the party involved again, right? There are people in my past who I spent years of my life with who I've had to forgive of grievances against me, and they were at one point best friends of mine, and I can forgive them of their sins while not giving them the same access to my heart that I gave them before, right? Right? I can love them, care for them, provide whatever uh, comfort and godly wisdom and teaching that I can, but that doesn't mean I have to allow them to, you know, have the ability to smack me again. Yes, ma'am. Well, I would say, first of all, retaliation is not appropriate in general, basically for Christians, right? Um, the, the whole concept of turn the other cheek is basically a playoff on how Jesus perfects and even extends the Old Testament law, right? So he started out in the Old Testament saying that you're not allowed to punish people greater than the harm that they have done to you. So originally it was actually eye for an eye was set up specifically to keep people from harming people more than they than the harm they've done, right? So if someone has actually just, like, punched you lightly in the face, you're not allowed to kill them in response. Most you can do is lightly punch them back, right? So if you struck someone on the face, all that you could legally do was strike them back. You couldn't retaliate beyond. So it was actually still a call for mercy because before, any kind of insult or honor could have been answered with death, right? Especially towards your family and loved ones. And instead, God says, don't answer with death. Answer no more than necessary. Jesus takes that concept and actually even puts it further. You've heard it said, don't return justice with more than justice it deserves. I tell you, don't retaliate whatsoever. You don't need to. If I strike you in the face, or if you strike me in the face, my response is not to punch you back. It's to say okay and turn away. There is a concept of offer the other two in there. Jesus actually basically says, go ahead and allow them to shame themselves by hurting you even more. But the basic premise is we don't need to exact vengeance ourselves. Honestly, this is, eh, I'm not a straight pacifist. This is probably why, that theology is probably why I'm okay with defending versus, especially other people or innocent people, versus retaliating in behalf of yourself, right? And so I shouldn't try to basically get vengeance on something that's been done to me, but it's okay for me to keep someone from smacking my daughter. Worth noting, there are lots of different uh, theologies that would hold to a different view of that than me, that basically hold to uh, it's actually never appropriate for a Christian to violently respond in any way, shape, or form. Uh, This actually does take over into not just uh, vengeance, but any kind of physical act towards another. Though the context is a context of punishment. We're not called to punish sinful behavior, even if it's done towards us. Does that make sense? Yeah. Any other questions or thoughts, guys?
that concept. We're not called to punish sinful behavior as followers of Christ. We're called to build discipline in ourselves and in those around us as best as possible. But discipline and punishment are two very different things. Punishment is the choice to harm someone or hurt someone because we think they deserve it based on the actions they've done, right? Discipline instead is using whatever means we choose to use to help someone recognize what appropriate behavior is. One is a teaching tool, one is a retribution tool, right? This is why whenever I'm trying to raise my kids, I try very hard not to punish them. Instead, we'll enact discipline. And part of that discipline is them actually explaining back why they're being disciplined while it's ongoing. So, all right, you're going to sit in this chair right now. Yep, all right, you're in timeout. Do you understand why you're in timeout? No! Okay, hold off. Whenever you're done screaming, we'll talk again. You can sit right there until you're done screaming. Are you done screaming now? <sighs> yes. Okay, okay, good. Do you know why you're in timeout now? Because I kicked my sister in the head. That is one very big reason why you're in timeout right now, yes. All right, and so you understand why you're not supposed to be doing that, right? Yeah, because it hurts her. Right, yeah, you're not called to hurt. You're called to help. You're not supposed to harm. You're supposed to be helpful to other people. Now explain to me, kicking in the head, helpful or hurtful? Like, <laughs> just let's go back here. All right, and so she walks through the entire process as she's being disciplined. Why is she there? Why is she in timeout? Why is, uh, goodness, we, we do also, uh, I'll be honest, we spank, but we spank whenever it can physically harm her, right? So if she ties, uh, I owe Anna $5. Christy's listening. Okay. Uh, I, I owe her money every time I use her as an example in a sermon. Uh, Huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's supposed to be because I don't want to do this every week. All right. Yeah. Uh, but yesterday, she actually, she loves playing with ropes and whips, quote unquote, which are usually robe, uh, like the robe belts. Right? And she started learning how to tie knots, which is awesome. And then yesterday, she tied a knot around one of the very strong fences we have in our house that keep our kids away from different parts of our house. Right. And then she tied the other one around her neck and was playing. And I walked her, I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, look, Dad, it's my necklace. <laughs> like this whole fence. And I'm like, yeah, until you trip and strangle. <laughs> so she had that removed from her. And then she got put in timeout. And she had to explain that if I see her tie anything around her neck again, whether or not it's tied to something else, she gets a spanking for that one because that one can kill her. And I think uh, I would prefer her feel a small amount of pain and remember that lesson then feel a large amount of pain later if she breaks her trachea, right? Yeah. I also caught her once trying to put screwdrivers into an electrical socket. She somehow is a baby. She had just gotten past crawling. She found two of my mini screwdrivers, popped off an electrical socket cover, and was just sitting there like, look what I did. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she went, no! <laughs> Those are the sort of things that we'll actually get to spanking for. But even then, that spank is a discipline step. We explain to her why she's being spanked, what the punishment is, what the discipline is. Even I mess up on the language at times. What the discipline is, why it's happening, uh, what the consequences are before it happens, and why we don't want to do it again. Right? I would prefer you stay alive long enough to be mad at me for spanking you in the future. Yeah. We stepped off into discipline, I'm sorry. All right, anywho. Any other thoughts or questions concerning prayer and this concept of why we're supposed to be praying uh, for forgiveness? All right. Let's throw this out real quick. 
we know that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. If we earnestly ask his forgiveness for our wrong, we can trust that he is faithful and he will forgive. He wants to forgive and he wants us to recognize our need for that forgiveness. Jesus himself disciplines those he loves because he wants us to learn to be more like him, to be more Christ-like. As we go this week, as we spend our time in prayer, add this in to that time you're spending. Consider who you are. Consider the ways in which you have fallen short of his glory. Ask him for his forgiveness and then revel in the fact that he grants it and he'll offer himself to you. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, we're going to pray. We're going to skip our next worship song, okay? And then we're going to step into a couple other areas of discussion we have for today, okay? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you because we know you're a God who forgives and you grant forgiveness to any who ask. So Lord, we pray that you would forgive us our sins. Whatever we have done, however we fail to glorify you, wherever we fall short of your glory, Lord God, grant us forgiveness. Please. We pray this knowing that you do grant forgiveness to all who seek it. So Lord, we thank you for that. Father, if we are holding anything against those around us, I pray that you would allow us to forgive as you have forgiven us. Give us the ability to see the people around us as you see them, to love as you love them. And Lord, allow us to have mercy as you have had mercy on us. I pray for you to overcome us. And Lord, make us more like you. We want to glorify you with our lives, with our minds, with our hearts. We want to glorify you with everything we have. And so Lord, we thank you. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.